Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship today, whether you're joining us in person uh, or indeed online, we bid you a warm welcome. If it's your first time with us, uh, you're especially welcome this morning. Or cry for mercy, or ears, the Lord's ears being attentive, is the promise that we come with this morning, that we come, we gather together as a community to proclaim his word, to sing his praises, to lay before him the burdens that are in our hearts and the burdens of the world around us in the knowledge that he hears our prayers and he is able to answer. Today's reading is from Revelations chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, to the church in Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. We continue um, in our series in Revelation message sent um, today. These are the seven letters to seven churches, uh, messages to the churches of that day that speak into our day uh, as well. Last week we looked um, at the letter to the church at Ephesus. Uh, we saw that there was much condemnation um, and much commendation um, as well. Um, there was a mixture of both um, commendation and condemnation uh, scattered through um, these letters. Uh, Ephesus, uh, their condemnation was that they had lost their first love. They were doing all the practical things that we would expect of a church to do, but they'd lost their first love. They've lost the passion in below it, that burning, that glowing, that desire that was in there. They'd lost that. They had drifted from it. And so the things that they were doing were empty and worthless. And actually, Jesus says in the letter that they were going to die because of it. Their lampstand would be taken away from them. Their light would go out. No longer would they be allowed to shine. And so today we come to the church in Smyrna. This is the only letter that actually has no condemnation in it. Smyrna receives only commendation. And that's really unusual. They don't seem to find much wrong with this church. We saw in Ephesus that the key word was love. They lost their first love. They were to return to the love that had burned brightly once within them because it had now gone out. So the key word for them was love. And the key word to the letter in Smyrna it was suffering. Now, if I was to do a straw poll and say, who wants to experience love? We would probably put our hands up. If I was to do a straw poll and say, who wants to experience suffering? Hmm, it's different, isn't it? It's a word that does not conjure up a desire within us to have what it means. None of us want to suffer. 
Yet, in many ways, all of us at some stages in our lives have suffered. So whenever this letter, the key word within it is suffering, it has something to say to us um, today. And we'll come to that a little bit later on. Smyrna, uh, as a city, lay 60 miles north of Ephesus. Um, and so in a sense, as we said last week, uh, the virtual postman would have been delivering the letters. That's why the order uh, of the cities, if you like, he is next on his um, journey. But it's the only one of the seven cities that seems to have survived today. And its name has changed to Izmir today. At the time of writing, Smyrna was the pride of Asia. It was a shining light for the nations around it, for the cities and the towns would have been pointed to and said, we want to be like Smyrna. A bit like today, and everybody says, we want to be like Palomina. <laughs> but it was a shining light of Asia. It was the place that modeled all that was good uh, of that world, um, the new inventions. Um, the Roman Empire was the strongest empire of the day. It was the place where it was strong in Asia. It was the place... Uh, where they wanted to hold on to. But yet the church in Smyrna was under persecution. They were under persecution actually because the city was so loyal to Rome. See, in the Roman context, the emperor was God. Uh, and people were expected to bow the knee to the emperor. Verse 9 um, of our reading today says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Those are strong words. This church in Smyrna was under suffering and persecution because it would not bow the knee to the God of the emperor. They were holding true to worshipping Jesus. So the citizens of Smyrna refused to trade or to do business with the Christians. That's why they were in poverty. We are not doing business with you because you are different. We're not doing business with you because you are a Christian. You do not bow the knee to the emperor. And therefore, if we do business with you, there could be repercussions for us from the Roman Empire. So we will ostracize you. We will set you to the side. We will have nothing to do with you. And then the Jews who lived in that city, they were maligning the, the church of Smyrna because they believed they had moved away from their Jewish roots. They were worshipping Jesus, the Savior, who the Jews had rejected. And so this church in Smyrna was under restrictions and suffering because people would not trade or do business with the Christians who were a part of it. But more than that, they were maligned and slandered across the city for things that they probably didn't even do simply to give a bad reputation. In other words, it cost something to be a Christian in Smyrna. This church put their head above the parapet and they were getting their heads taken off. It cost them something to declare faith in Jesus. And that's why, in a sense, they needed, a, one writer calls this a cosmic guarantee. 
Uh, and I, I've kind of ruminated, thought about that little phrase uh, for a few days now, a cosmic guarantee. He says it's found in verse 8 of this passage. It says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. What this author is saying is, actually, here's a cosmic guarantee. Here is a guarantee that is bigger than yourself. Because you worship the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the one who died, defeated death, and rose again, then your suffering is worthwhile. Your suffering has a purpose and a reason. You're not doing this just to look foolish. You're not doing this out of false intentions. You're not doing this simply because you think it's a good idea to do it. Because if it was any of those things, they would have given up because of the persecution and the suffering. And so this cosmic guarantee, this guarantee that what they are looking towards, what their purpose is, what their passion is, what their first love is, is outside of themselves. And that's what keeps them going. That's what drives them forward. That's what allows them to continue to worship and be the church in a city that does not want to know anything about Jesus. In fact, as the writer puts it, they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. That's a really strong phrase. A temple of Satan. A place where they stir up evil and discord in order that they can pull you down. But he goes on to say this. In verse 10 he says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Now, they were already suffering and under persecution. And in this letter he says, Do not be afraid of what's about to come. In other words, the worst is yet to be. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days, but be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. We'll come to that crown in a little moment because it's really, really important. Um, but here comes the worst bit. You've, you're in poverty because they're not trading with you. They're slandering you and they're spreading rumors about you. But now you're about to go to prison and be put to death because you believe in Jesus. The suffering will come to a head, a head that will, in your decision, whether you say yes or no to Jesus, will mean whether you live or die. There's a martyr called Polycarp. Some of our Church of Ireland churches are actually named after him. He would have heard this letter read aloud, if you like, in a sense. This, this would have been a part of his teaching. This would have been a part of his structure. This would have been a part of what urged him forward. And he was dragged back to Smyrna to face trial before the Roman authorities. And he was challenged to, I'm going to read this, but to swear by the genius of Caesar, and to revile the Christ. In other words, to deny Jesus and to accept Caesar as his God. He was 
challenge to swear by the genius of Caesar and to revile the Christ. And his response, 86 years have I served him, that is Jesus, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? 86 years have I served him. He has done me no wrong, and how can I then blaspheme my king who saved me? Verse 10, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer persecution for 10 days, but be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. The question for us, in a sense, today is this. Why does the church in the West, the church in the culture that we are a part of, not seem to suffer persecution like that? Persecution, that as we've already prayed and spoken of today, our brothers and sisters across the world are facing in this very moment. I dare to say that it may be that the church in the West is more like the world than we care to give ourselves credit for. In other words, sometimes there is little difference between us as believers, preacher included, and those who do not declare themselves as believers. How do others know that you are a Christian. What is different about your values? What is different about how we spend our time and our money? What or who is our first love? Because that is what makes us distinct. And through the pages of the Scriptures, through the ages of the journey of God with his people, there's always come a point where they've said, we don't want to go any further unless you go with us, Lord, because that's, it's your presence that makes us distinct. In each of these letters, Jesus uses the words, I know. I know the affliction, he says, to the church in Smyrna. I know the slander. I know the poverty. I know that you are remaining faithful, he says. I wonder what he would say to us today. He can say, I know because he cares for us and he knows everything about us. Verse 11 says, He who is in the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And each of these letters finish with that phrase. He who is in the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. We need to read, hear, and take heed of what is in these letters for us today. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. I will give you the crown of life. Now, if we remember back to last week, the church in Ephesus, even though there was condemnation, there was also commendation for them. 
And Jesus told them that he would give them the tree of life. Here he tells the church in Smyrna that they can have the crown of life. There's a difference there. What's distinct about that? What's different about that? Well, the church in Ephesus had lost their first love to put down their roots again, the way a tree would put down its roots, so they could draw from the deep well of knowing who God is and loving him, so they could flourish and flower once again. The church in Smyrna, they needed a prize to run for. They were in the race, they were sold out, they were on fire, and they were not giving up. And so they needed to know that there was a prize at the end for them. And so the crown of life is coming to them. If they remain faithful. A few years ago, I stumbled across um, a thing called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. Um, It was a letter, a note written by a a Zimbabwean pastor. Uh, He knew that people were coming for him take him away, he would have to declare and renounce uh, his faith in Jesus Christ. And he wrote a note uh, and he left it on his desk for others to find the night before they came to take him. And here's what he wrote. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, prodigy, or popularity. I don't have to be right first top, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded, and I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, uplifted by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few. My guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, Preach all I know and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. May that challenge be to each one of us a call to ensure that we are right with God and are faithful in our witness for him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us 
and that even in the midst of suffering or persecution, your strength sustains us. For your power is made perfect in our weakness. So help us to look to you, to be unashamed of you. And today, to begin a deepening journey where we declare you in all aspects of our lives unashamed for others to know that we are yours and that you are ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we close um, today with some words from the book of, of Colossians. And it says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out that is contained in the gospel. So may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.